Snyder fans, Snyder fans, sending threat threats on Instagram. <laughs> Will they stop? We don't know. Give them a film and watch them go. Look out! <laughs> Here come the Snyder fans. <laughs> Welcome to the Court of Outlets podcast. Um, this is a very serious podcast. In Live. this episode, we'll be ushering out the last of the DCEU. It, it will be very sober and respectful of its content as we discuss uh, Justice League Part 2. Today, I am... Well, I am always V. And I am joined by Joe. I am sometimes Joe. And Muse. I am never Muse. <laughs> I was you can say never amuse. <laughs> well, that's a lie. She just falls down laughing. <sighs> well, we lost Muse. Unfortunate, since we just started. But yeah, so, Justice League. Little film. Just came out. Mm-hmm. Might have seen it. Heard of it. Run from it. Screaming. <laughs> Director, producer, writer... Zach and Deborah Snyder, Charles Roven, Chris Terrio, Will Beale. The current ratings have fallen a touch. And IMDb now has a score of 8.4 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, top critics score of 55%, which is a 4% drop. Uh, all the critics together, 72%, which is a 2% drop. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience score is now a 96%. <laughs> Which is only a 1% drop. Well, because now the weekend is over and a bunch of more people have been starting to watch it on the weekend mm-hmm. instead of, like, the first two days. It came out on Thursday. Right. It's also competing with the fact that The Falcon, The Winter Soldier came out on Friday. Right. So. right. And I've already seen people, like, trying to persuade individuals to skip <laughs> movies they're looking forward to to watch The Snyder Cut. I love the one I, I saw on Twitter today. Some guy... He's like, I know you're excited to see King Kong or Godzilla vs. Kong, but do yourself a favor and watch Zack Snyder's Justice League again. And then Tim <laughs> Seeley responded, he's like, but you could watch Godzilla vs. Kong twice in that amount of time. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't get flame, but I mean, he's, he's got a point. It yeah. was very long. And we felt that length in the second half. So if we're going to compare it to the old Justice League, the Whedon cut, um, critics gave it 40% and the audience gave it 71%. So I think uh, the critics were pretty nice this time around. Even though, like, the positive reviews that I saw, they were still, like, roasting it. Yeah. (laughs) It's a choice. Like, you're not going to get every film goer, like, the ones who were like, I already saw the Justice League, I don't need to see it again. People who were traumatized by Batman v Superman aren't going to see it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of commitment. So what we're going to do is we're going to break it down for you so you don't have to watch it if that's not your jam. The second half is better than the first half. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. They're together. There is some banter. There's some stuff going on. The plot is moving forward instead of this 
long, drawn-out hunt to collect them all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then it felt more organic, which we'll get into it. Okay, Mm. Um, Joe, would you like to tell us the plot as we interrupt you repeatedly? That is A-OK with me. All right. So, for those of you who are just joining on, we are talking about chapters 4, 5, and 6. If you did not watch our previous episode where we covered chapters 1, 2, and 3, you should do that now before continuing. But for those of you who are up to date, we are going into Chapter 4, Change Machine. So Chapter 4 opens up in Gotham City, which is a very similar scene to what we saw in the Weeding Cut, with Commissioner Gordon on the rooftop waiting for his best buddy in black, Batman, posing on top of a gargoyle. Drops down, is joined by Wonder Woman, The Flash, and then Cyborg. He decides to actually join in on the party, and Commissioner gives him the evidence of... Chibi Batman from Star Labs. He just presents it. He just gives it. <laughs> yep. Listen, I, this is the star of the show. I want this as my avatar. It's so cute. <laughs> Who drew the Chibi Batman? <laughs> and he's just walking around with it, not laughing. He just shows him this. He's like, look at this child's drawing. Isn't it cute? And Batman's like, yes, looks like a bat. <laughs> They don't even connect it with like, ah, oh, people must think it is me, Batman. They're, he's like, ah, it's a parademon. And you're like, how the hell does this look like a parademon? The googly eyes? <laughs> I would really love it if they put like some googly eyes on like the actual evidence sheet. Dude, we need, we need a video editor to go over this and just like paste the googly eyes on. <laughs> Honestly though, like... This was a great scene for me. I'd seen it before, but I was so excited about this chibi drawing. I don't even know what happened in this scene. People were talking and moving around, but I was just thinking about that Batman drawing. It was just kind of similar to, you know, it's like, oh, uh, this place got broken into. Oh, yeah, we were aware of that. Oh, and the people think that this thing is the one that broke in. Yeah, we're aware of those things, too. And then they all leave, and... The fastest man alive is the last one there because he didn't get the memo about, hey, as soon as Commissioner Gordon turns around, we're all going to bounce. They were in front of him, too. So it wasn't like they were all behind him and were like, let's ding dong ditch flat. Yeah. They clearly walked across his eyesight and somehow he didn't see It's just weirder, too, because it was a two second cut. And they were not on the edge of a building. Yeah. They're like in the middle. So they have to like sprint to get off. And one of them's a metallic being. Probably has some clunky footsteps. I have a theory. Okay. Wonder Woman's invisible jet. <laughs> <laughs> they all got in and Barry just didn't know about it. That's okay. my theory. Well, it's weird anyway because then we get another awkward cut as we have seen throughout this movie so far but it is them in the Gotham sewers and rock music <laughs> is just showing up on and off. <laughs> it plays whenever they start walking. It's like, dun, 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 dun. And then they stop and they, they talk a little bit. And the and music doesn't fade out either, just cuts. <laughs> it's just hard, like, that. record stop. I was so confused because it felt really like like some guy standing in the corner with the boombox, like, pushing it on and off. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> that stupid bridge scene. Why did it take so unnecessarily long for them to cross to show people's powers off? Like, okay. (laughs) As if we don't know by now. Yeah. Obviously, there are questionable editing choices, but I think the second half, the music choices became the biggest problem. (laughs) 
see, because when they're separate, they each have their own themes, you mm-hmm. know? And when they're together, <laughs> all their themes are playing at once <laughs> or right after each other. Wonder Woman's like walking and you hear, and like she was was walking with her mouth open or she jumped with her mouth open at one point and you hear the choir picks up and they're all like, hey, 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 hey." and I'm like, is she yodeling? (laughs) No, it was her soundtrack because she was doing a little jump, the smallest of jumps. And they had to have a soundtrack for that card cut. Let's get the next guy's soundtrack going because we're cutting over to him. It really made the cuts more obvious, too, because each one had a different music. Yeah. Each of these guys are trying to have their own theme songs that don't play well together in the same scene. It's rough. It's really rough. So we get through this heavy rock music. It's still going on as Cyborg then peers into where Steppenwolf is interrogating all these people, asking for the mother box, picks up Silas Stone, who is captured in Chapter 3. Cyborg sees it. He's like, that's my dad! <laughs> And then immediately goes to blast Steppenwolf, initiates the fight. Roll for initiative. <laughs> 100%. They start fighting the parademons. Diana, of course, takes on Steppenwolf because she's the only one capable of taking on Steppenwolf. This is apparently yeah. one of the best scenes for Diana. It was not. What is it called? Ancient's Lamentation? Mm, I'm just going to call him the Greek choir. Yeah, whatever they are. <laughs> the Greek choir starts preaching like crazy as it's just Diana balancing between fighting Steppenwolf, fighting these parademons, almost has a shot for shot of her intro scene from Batman vs. Superman where she has a shield up, it gets blasted, and slowly her head oh, shows up from behind so it. So much posing. Yeah. And then... It, like, what did he say? Like, he was going to control her, and then... He goes, uh, this one's mine. And she's like, I belong to no one, no man. And he goes, uh, good, you're single. No, his eyes light up like that, like, oh, like, oh my. Is he trying to reuse the line, the really awesome line from Lord of the Rings, where it's like, yes, no yes. man that can is kill me. And then she's like, I am no man. But uh, that was an awesome line. It made sense. This yeah. is just yeah. dumb cliche line after dumb cliche line. It really was. Was it like a I am woman, hear me roar kind of thing? I or was guess. it like she just doesn't know the nuance of like PvP language? <laughs> or maybe trying to find some excuse for her to say yeah. that. That's not filler line, yeah. you know? I don't know, because then we had Wonder Woman 84 where she's pretty hip and trendy. Yeah. So unless she fell off the rails for the following 40 years. Maybe she's complaining. Maybe she's just like, man, I wish. (laughs) Steve Trevor, if you're out there, go call me. (laughs) So she's fighting Steppenwolf. All of a sudden, um, we get the Arkham Knight Batman, which all of its CG glory as he's fighting his own pack of parademons. Horribly. I have to admit that Barry, I don't remember if that was in the Whedon cut, but Barry dodging the blast from the mm-hmm. parademon and then him splashing himself to the wall was kind of adorable. It fits. It, it fits his character of, like, borderline pacifist. But also at the same time, it fits, like, okay, this kid hasn't done anything. He's never been in, like, any kind of conflict. And he's like, whoa, I'm out of my depth. 
Yeah, and they took out that scene from the Whedon cut where he's having the anxiety attack and Ben Affleck tells him, like, just save at least one person. I did actually like his special effects scene in this. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. I will say that, like, the Russian family in the Whedon cut that they had to save, I get why they wanted to have it. They wanted to have some civilians. They wanted to show them actually being heroes and mm-hmm. not, like, mm-hmm. titans versus titans. They wanted to actually have some human element to mm-hmm. it. However, the entire scene felt like a way to pump up Barry. Yeah. It's just like, here you go, buddy. You can save one person. Just didn't work. So this one, weirdly enough, felt leaner and more to the point. And Mm -hmm. also, as we've all noticed, Muse can't remember what happened in the original Justice League. But the scene where they're getting the hostages out of the building and then the rocks fall. Was that also in it? No, because Barry just ran them out of the building. Okay, because I actually preferred the, hey, we're kind of getting them out. Like, because we even see, even in the comics, it's hard for Barry to go back and keep grabbing people. He's not super strong. He has endurance. So, like, him being to be like, I'm just here to guide them out, I guess. But he managed to, like, speed, force knock all of the rocks that were about to fall on the civilians, which made, I think, a little bit more sense. Yeah, that was pretty interesting, but then immediately after, Cyborg just blasts that one giant one, and then normally, all of those little pieces of rubble would have acted like bullets from a shotgun shell, and would have just hit everybody, but for the magic of movie making, Mm -hmm. everybody was safe. (laughs) Yeah, and I've noticed with Barry, it's like, hey, he's got this really interesting ability we're still not going to give a backstory as to how he got it compared to victor but that doesn't matter just kind of sucks like this kid's like the punching bag i love how he runs with his feet pointed out while his knees pointed outwards (laughs) i like also how he like his hands look like he's swimming i was gonna say like he's waving through the water yeah like uh, swipe on swipe off I can see that he watched movies to prepare for this role. It's the wrong movies, It's the wrong movies. (laughs) Oh. So, anyway, with this fight, Steppenwolf gives up. He boom tubes out of there. All of a sudden, the Gotham River is about to overflow. Batman has this weird crab-looking device called the Nightcrawler that is supposed to rescue them all out from the sewer. But then, who comes out waving through the water but Aquaman? Weird thing, his trident has different power set than Aquaman himself. But his trident does have the power of the Keen and Little Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally become Triton. <laughs> Aquaman's not actually the hero, they just needed the trident. Oh my gosh, you know what? This is setting up the sequel where he tries to keep his daughter away from men. <laughs> She does have red hair. I'm just saying. It, it could happen. It could happen. But yeah, this was also in the weeding cut. Somehow Aquaman is able to force back the Gotham River with his trident. And normally that's not part of Aquaman's power set. He doesn't have the aquakinesis. This would have been a much better scene if Aquaman swam in with Mira. Yeah, Mira is the person who controls water. He controls fishes. <laughs> they together are a power couple. He just had her. What did he do with her? She doesn't have to guard the stupid box anymore. The box is gone. She's clearly bloodthirsty in a way that he isn't. So she should have come with him to get her revenge. 
Mira is scary. I have said this many times on this podcast. I am scared of Mira. If he brought Mira, this would be a very different story, and I would have mm-hmm. probably been, like, 12% more invested. Yeah. Mira's a very underrated character. Yeah. Especially when she's out here sucking people's blood out through their eyes and mm-hmm. noses. But we can't have her on the team because she's not a major character. She could uh. be if given the chance. Yeah, she could. She does more than Flash, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Aquaman helps him, and Cyborg is driving the Nightcrawler, and all of a sudden he just decides, you know what, I'm going to leave everybody else behind and fly out of the Nightcrawler. Exactly. (laughs) Which I believe was also in the weeding cut, but it's still not explained. Yeah, they really don't explain that. My thinking, because of just subtext and the fact that he's a robot, and where, the where he left them might have been like, oh, this is as far as the river is going to get. We're fine here. But you still don't just leave. Well, especially because Diana, Bruce, and Barry were holding on for dear life uh, on top of the Nightcrawler. And then Cyborg just ejects himself and flies away. So it's like... Bruce has to, okay, I guess I'll climb into the cockpit, fall into it, and then I'll get us to all the rest of the way up. It's still not explained because the very next scene after he flies away, it's not to the Justice League, it's to Steppenwolf going back to his base. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, because the cut was so weird, I actually thought for a second that that was Cyborg landing in Steppenwolf's base. Yeah. And we get this awkward cut to Steppenwolf in his base because he's being compelled to the mother box, pokes it a little bit with his finger, and then he gets a flashback to that giant war that Diana was telling Bruce and the audience about when Darkseid first showed up on Earth. And he just reenacts everything Darkseid did, including the moment of like slamming the weapon down on the ground and creating that weird lava design. All he says is, it's here. And we don't get any explanation of what it is until later on. Because then we cut back to what we should have cut to originally, which is Cyborg joining the rest of the group. There were so many scenes that just could have been like longer scenes, but they cut it. And then they put the end of that scene and sandwiched another scene in it. It's the whole team talking to each other like, oh, we have to get that third box. Cyborg lands with the third box. And then we cut back to Steppenwolf having that conversation with the sod. Really, Cyborg? You leave your team to possibly drown in Gotham River so you can retrieve the freaking mother box that you just buried right before you joined up with the team. To be fair, I would say that that would have been a priority to get the mother box because it's kind of a big deal. You don't want it out there on its own and like you might be thinking to yourself, oh shoot, I didn't really cover it that well. Maybe I should go get it. On the other hand, if you are driving a vehicle, don't leave the vehicle. (laughs) And you left three teammates, people that obviously cannot breathe underwater unless Bruce has something in his utility belt, rebreather or something. He does. But still... Like, you don't even tell them, hey, I gotta go tie up some loose ends, I'll be back. He just pieces out. Early on, they were like, we gotta stick together, guys. And then even Barry in the middle of it was like, 
none of us stuck together. Victor initiated the fight by getting upset spaghetti. Mm. Diana's off fighting Steppy by herself, and Bruce is getting bodied by parademons, and Barry's like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So this whole fight was Snyder trying to be like, look, they're not a team yet. We know they're not a team. We get that. We can obviously see it. We don't need them all to be like, well, we just don't get along now, do we? Yeah. Like, they had the upper hand. They could have dealt with him. And they're like, we lost. This was a bad fight, guys. You chased him away. No one died. Listen, everybody chased him away at some point. Like, the Amazons chased him away. The Atlanteans chased him away. But he got the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. On this one, I don't know. He was, like, trying to interrogate people. But he kind of already did interrogate them. But he got nothing out of them. He just was like, oh, they all have the boxes sent on them. And that's all he got. It's like if there's a spider in your room and you let it get away, it's going to be back. It's a weird analogy, but that's what I was thinking when they let him go. Instead, he flies off to go talk to Desaad after having that weird reenacting my father's <laughs> life, that's when we find out the anti-life equation, the big thing that Darkseid is always about, is on Earth. Desaad, he's like, are you sure? You're 100% sure? And he's like, yes. Anti-life is here on that planet that scared Darkseid away. Then Desaad, like the good secretary he is, puts the call on hold, <laughs> gets the manager. I liked that they cut to... <laughs> to Steven's face and he's just looking like awkwardly like you do when you get put on hold by a manager and you're just like I will say that was that was a good (laughs) entrance all of a sudden that molten lava just shapes into dark side and you're like oh shit but Steppenwolf immediately his armor just starts disappearing until he's buck naked (laughs) groveling on the ground he's like oh dark side well they all kind of like lick his feet don't they I am naked before you, my lord. Literally, my like sovereign. I am at your mercy here. Yeah, because he vulnerable. doesn't like to just be like a king. He also wants to be their god. Yeah, and that's when Darkseid like just confirms, "I will be there, but you have to get the third mother box first because our deal about that isn't done yet." It cuts back to Bruce's warehouse. All the gangs there. Cyborg looks up and sees this plane that Bruce has been working on since the beginning of the film. It's like. She wants to fly. <laughs> and I thought God. Batman was the detective. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so glad it was only Arthur there that heard him say that. Because I feel like Bruce would be like, yeah, Vic. It's a jet. <laughs> I want to do that. Whenever I see a car now that wants to drive. <laughs> He's trying to convince them that he can talk to machines. Yeah. And he can't. <laughs> They're all just like, oh, what else does she say? She likes redheads. <laughs> but then he has to put them down even further because it's not just that he talks to machines, it's I speak intelligence. Meaning Wait, you're he all said stupid. That? Oh my god, I missed that. He's swamp thing now. He's like, I speak to the green. <laughs> I was just still, like, flabbergasted by the fact that not only we're getting mother boxes, we're also getting the anti-life equation. Like, how much more stuff are they going to throw at us? Like, I understand. As much as they can. Honestly, the anti-life equation was a shock. I was into it. I was like, ooh. I thought for sure it was going to be like everything else that, because Snyder's verse, obviously, it's more based on the New 52 aside from the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns Mm storyline. But in the New 52, Cyborg is the anti-life equation. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And also in Deceased, the series by Tom Taylor about the zombies DC Universe, he's the anti-life equation there as well. We didn't get that. I really thought they would, especially when Cyborg's actor, what's his name? Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher was all over, you know, saying, hey, my role's super big. I'm basically like the hero of the Justice League. I'm like the main character. Like the whole movie revolves around me. When someone starts saying that about Cyborg, you're like, oh, so this is one of those where like, he's one of those bombs that like could destroy the universe because he's got like the anti-life vision or he's got some chaotic magic inside him. Yeah, he's a Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. He still might based off of what happens in the epilogue. But it was so ambiguous. That that bit was a little ambiguous, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he's trying to tell them that he's super smart, he's super important, and then Arthur turns around, he's like, you could be spying on us for them, and you may not even know it. So then Vic goes into his whole backstory. He tells how the mother box made him, mm-hmm. how his dad was able to activate the mother box, basically get it to do what he needed it to do, And then it shows how he put his son, like half of his body, just like a corpse hanging from the wall in the most, it was like a horror movie Mm -hmm. in a way that like you would never do to a patient. Like there's no reason to like hang them to the wall. I'm gonna pin you almost crucifix style. Oh, hey, look, more references. More symbolism. (laughs) There were a a lot of references. I will say, though, with this scene, following this whole backstory and how the mother box worked, they did a much better way of explaining this is how and why we need to bring Superman back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can I also say, like, in the the scene where he gets electrocuted, Mm -hmm. he's being, like, reanimated by the mother box how like his little infinity stone in his forehead glows (laughs) and you get like total vision flashbacks that's his soul (laughs) that's the soul stone in his forehead (laughs) i had the weirdest like desire to see him like twirl it around like it's a one of those gems that's like set on the top and bottom so you can spin it like what if the back had like kryptonite on it (laughs) just like Nice try, Kryptonian. DC, contact me. I've got some stories for you. Where were we? I'm sorry, I totally stepped on your moment. That's okay. I was just saying that they did a better job of explaining how and why Superman needs to come back. Definitely did. Because I noticed, especially with the second half, the fight scenes were pretty much the same. Yeah. But there was a lot of weird interludes and things that he definitely added more into the second half, I think Whedon did, Mm -hmm. and cut out most of the unnecessary scenes from part one. So Mm -hmm. this is where we're starting to get some, was this in this cut? (laughs) I can't remember. Right. It's less like extended scenes that go on like an awkward amount of time and you're just like... Why am I looking at that guy's shoes? Yeah. Till now it's like there's actual plot being inserted in that you didn't see before. So mm-hmm. that was that was definitely a bonus. Like I was less bored at times, but it did feel like so much longer. But at least it moved. I think it was the music. For me, I will watch mm. trash if the music is good. Like <laughs> This I, is true. You've said this. This <laughs> is a fact. I have watched a lot of really terrible films. And I just loved the hell out of them. John Tucker Must Die. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible film. I loved watching it over and over because I like the music. This film has the soundtrack of Catwoman. <laughs> you know that part when like Catwoman gets shoved off of a balcony and she falls and lands on her feet? And you hear the, the ancient yodeling? 
I do because you showed me this movie. <laughs> showed him the movie and he was shocked that it existed. It. Oh my gosh, you're next. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you can't like know me and not have watched Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> honestly, me is it's it's something worth watching. <laughs> it's it's its own genre. It's incredible it just makes you wonder it's like wow they've really approved of this there were choices made and like if you don't know the time period it came out and you don't understand why those yeah. choices happened you will be completely baffled the entire movie i'm not selling it but it's an experience and they played the wonder woman song not the cool not the it's just more it's of the, the vocals sort of thing <laughs> you're just like i I get it. Please stop. It's because they can't have that theme song every five seconds, but they can just have the Catwoman choir going off. They could also just not have any of the that music every five seconds. Or we could call it like the 300 music because it's basically yeah. like we're watching. Yeah. Pretty much ancient Greek, but again, like time and place for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they all agree like, oh, Superman needs to come back. This is how we're going to do it. So we, th- we think we're done. Because it then it cuts to Lois getting a surprise visit by Martha, who just happens to be in Metropolis because she, you know, she doesn't have a house anymore. She's I homeless. sold the farm, Martha. <laughs> um, forgot Lois's name for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and she basically is just there to say, like, you need to come back to the land of the living. You have to stop being depressed and you need to get your life together. I was like, oh my gosh, are we actually going to have a character moment? Are we actually going to have two people actually talking about emotions and having emotions? Considering Martha in Snyderverse is a terrible mother. And wow, this is kind of out of character, but I guess maybe due to (laughs) his writing in the previous films and just her lackluster appearances like she barely even served a role in man of steel and was just a name in batman superman it was, it was just it <laughs> so <laughs> this is good this is them both having a moment of being like we really do miss clark and it hurts that like we can't talk to other people about how proud we were of him because they're talking about superman and you're like okay ouch that hurts like that's a valid concern for the mm. two of them i was yelling at the screen the yeah. whole time number one madam she's like no one but you and me knew who clark was and i'm like he had co-workers he had childhood classmates people knew that he was a good yeah, person but you can talk to them about the clark kent that was also superman she's like these people in the street they're mourning a symbol they don't know him like yeah, nobody knows celebrities. What do you want? <laughs> like, if he wasn't a celebrity, they wouldn't be mourning him. Like, wh- why are you mad? And then there's Lois, who's like, I can't function. I can't go to work. I just need to stay here. Lois, you looked scared every time he was on screen with you. I thought you were waiting for him to die <laughs> so you could be free. But no. It was a cute, like, tender moment. Yeah. It was also very disconnected from the rest of the movie because we actually got, like, romantic comedy music. It was, like, no music we'd seen up to this point. We're three quarters of the film. Yeah. It reminded me of the conversation that was in the animated Reign of the Supermen, where Ma and Pa Kent come 
talked to Lois after losing Clark. It, mm-hmm. it was a similar vibe to that. Like, that would have fit there. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit in the Snyderverse because this isn't Martha. And no one apparently can actually have actual emotions properly and deal with them constructively. And then, of course, any amount of heartfelt, touching realization just got freaking shattered. Surprise! It wasn't actually Martha it's my boy it's Martian Manhunter Martian Manhunter John this was the worst way to introduce him to be honest (laughs) like I I love Martian Manhunter but this no yeah you're right because he's manipulating oh look again a Martian manipulating (laughs) someone in the super family (laughs) he's pretty much trying to get Lois out of her funk for some reason I don't know why he was so invested on getting Lois out of her funk. Unless he also got a Barry Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Because even V asked me, she's like, did he have any interaction with Lois like at all throughout the rest of Spider-Verse? It's like the last time that we saw him was in Man of Steel, and he was on the other side of the glass as Lois interviewed Superman. They didn't have any actual interaction. Yeah, that's why he's when he shifts back, it's in that general uniform because that's okay. that's who he was. I was excited to see him. You should have seen my face. It was that gif of like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. I'm like, but you were terrified at first, because all no, of a sudden, oh, yeah, his eyes go red. <laughs> first, her eyes turn red, and I was like, what sort of new fuckery is this? <laughs> and then. Please don't make Martha do something weird. Like, she's been a bad guy this whole time. All of a sudden, I see, like, the Martian Manhunter silhouette. I'm like, oh! They cut in on his face. It looked all shiny and silver. And I was like, no! <laughs> but then it, like, turned green. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then I saw the tendrils, and I was not okay again. So I think that's where I landed. I don't like that design. Also, never introduce Martian Manhunter when he's not in a fire. That's it. <laughs> that's how we find him. We find him having Just a traumatic moment. for help. <laughs> well, that's how Batman found him, right? He, he in the Justice League cartoon. Yeah, that for me is like yep. how he how he enters. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we get this awkward inter- interaction with Martian Manhunter, and then it cuts back to that same conversation we left the Justice League having about. Oh yeah, so we're all in agreement about bringing Superman back. At the same table, in the same conversation. No time has passed. No. And the TLDR of that conversation is that Superman awoke the boxes because the boxes are afraid of Superman. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, the boxes were waiting for Superman to die. I mean, relatable. What if... I mean, why weren't they activated before he arrived, you know? Exactly. He's been here less than 30 years. There was a long space where they were asleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless there was a reason why they went dormant or it was like they were going to remain dormant for years. But humanity found the boxes Mm -hmm. in, like, the 40s. Like, based off of Victor's backstory, like, talking about the mother boxes, they were found during World War II. Why didn't they go off then? There's no Superman on the planet at that time. Exactly. It would have made much more sense if they woke up when Silas started fucking with them. He brought someone back from the dead and they didn't wake up. 
it was clearly awake, right? Yeah. He brought it to life, and that didn't call anyone? Unless they technically were, like, in sleep mode. It was sleep talking. <laughs> so I think it was more like the mother box awoke, but it wasn't sending out pings to dark side yet. The mother boxes are sentient, but they're not that sentient. That's the weird part. That's the disconnect. They're a very advanced AI program. It would have been following its directives. It just makes sense. Listen, tell me this yeah. doesn't make more sense. It happened around the same time. It takes time to travel for, like, signals to get over to dark side. It would have made much more sense if Silas playing God, haha, he gets Cyborg to wake up as Cyborg. He's imbued him with pieces of the mother box. He's brought back life from the grave, and you can see him shoving all that electricity. The mother box doesn't like it. It's, like, freaking out. And that seems like that would wake it up more than Superman screamed really loud then died and <laughs> and the mother boxes were scared of him yeah i think unless the mother boxes were Zack snyder it doesn't make any <laughs> sense no i definitely like your version of it better where it's like yeah and it, and it makes more sense because again like like you said and you said it looked like it was activated it was getting electrocuted because its energy was getting siphoned off and when we saw the mother box in the Stones' apartment, before the Superman shout hits it, you see the mother box undulating in the closet. Mm -hmm. Like, this thing has been awake for months now. So maybe one mother box awakened, but the other two didn't? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. But that was the end of chapter four, and then we get into chapter five, all of the king's horses, which all of a sudden from chapter three on, somebody in each of the chapters says the name of the chapter. And it never sounds natural. No, it's always forced. <laughs> and we get brought into that grave robbing scene where they have to dig up Superman's body. It's Flash and Cyborg having that interaction again of like, you know, we can get this done in like two seconds and we can get this urgent thing on the roll. And Cyborg's like, yeah, we could. And then and, they just don't. Yeah, they just continue to take their time. I can understand if it's like a respect thing. Yeah. But again, uh, it's that it's really that ceremony respectful. over urgency thing that we dealt with uh -huh. with the Amazons. They're digging up a body. I mean, how respectful can you be? Yeah. I know, but also with Victor's lack of tone, because they're like, You're a robot, you have no emotion. He doesn't emote. Like, if you're still using the same lines, the we could like use yeah. your tone correctly saying like we could but that would be disrespectful or we just want to let aquaman have time to hit on wonder woman <laughs> but he, meanwhile barry <laughs> at the same time is asking cyborg he's like do you think that she would go for a younger guy and for some reason cyborg knows diana's age he's like she's five thousand years old every guy's a younger guy but then we see aquaman and diana just having this like getting to know each other type of thing, because Diana, she's like, so, Atlantean, our people haven't really gotten to know or even see each other for who knows how many years. How, how's it been? He's like, it's not my people. Not my problem. You want a drink? No, thanks. I'm a role model. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're watching the, you know, the two idiots of the group dig up this body. And Arthur, he's like, you know, this reminds me of an Atlantean quote. Halfway through the quote, Diana finishes it. 
which is none are taken back from the darkness, not without giving one in return. And then they just have this moment of like, oh, our people are quote? similar. Are they just like bringing people back from the dead willy nilly? <laughs> like at first I thought they were talking about good and evil, <laughs> which just sounded really messed up. I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, what do you mean? You can't take anyone from the darkness without giving someone up in return. <laughs> It's like, Ocean Master, I understand you want to be good, but then, Arthur, you got to be evil now. Come on, change jerseys. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a a football match. There have to be even amounts of people on each side. No, but also the bringing people back from the dead thing was kind of silly, too. Because that was like, okay, yes, in pushing up daisies, but, like, (laughs) here... You're going to bring Superman back and you're going to, like, bury someone in his place? Like, I can get the notion of what they're trying to say. It just doesn't work. No. Proverbs like that should actually hit home more. But I'm so glad that he just said it as a quote and he Mm. didn't just start breaking into, like, an Atlantean (laughs) song that Diana finishes. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I never even thought of that. It could have just been that Icelandic scene all over again. Right. You know? Oh my gosh. And then Cyborg starts going in because he has the data about it. (laughs) And embarrasses. ruins the scene by like, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just making up his own words. Exactly. So they gingerly put Superman's Quaffin into the van and they go back to the warehouse where Bruce is scaring Alfred because he is so happy. He is like, oh my god, this is gonna work. Our plan is coming together. We're gonna get bring him back. We're gonna bring my buddy back. The guy you killed. Freaking bless Alfred for being like the words of reason and being like, this could go horribly wrong. And he's like, no, no, no. Trust me. Yeah. It'll work. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I'm not looking at this logically. And you're like, <laughs> I wish you would. <laughs> You see this bat on my chest? It stands for hope. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred's at this point going, all right, if he dies, it's not my fault. I've told him. I mean, honestly, Alfred gives Batman the same looks that uh, Amy Adams gives Superman, where it's just like, I'm kind of scared of you and hope you die. Yeah. But I'm going to play along because I'm scared. It's also kind of weird, too, because, like, they're, like, loading the coffin into the van. Not careful. But then, in order to get it, like, into this truck to do their disguise, they just... Cyborg and Diana just freaking yeet it into the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's right. He's invulnerable. We don't have to care. What if they opened it up and he had just, like, dissolved into dirt? Oh, gosh. Like you we, imagine? Like, the... <laughs> Like, the Kryptonian physiology is just, like, after you die, all that indestructible hair, everything just pew. But before we get to see the rest of this plan, we get a random, unnecessary minute and a half cut to Silas Stone in uh, Contamination Tent, just getting, like, the A-OK of, like, oh, yeah, you're all clear, you can leave now. It's dizzying. This is why people don't remember what they saw, and they're just like, I think it was a good movie. Yeah. Because, like, it just keeps you on a whirlwind of, like, uh, we're we're on the move. We're always on the move. Look at those scientists. Wait, over here. Look at the Justice League. Barry's asking a real question to Aquaman of, what do you think? This hat or option B? This hat. He says, can I see A again? Like, it's an optometry test. And then, quick cut back over to this thing. The editing in this is very confusing to me because it's opposite of, like, the first half. There Mm -hmm. were a lot of cuts, but the scenes were, like, too Mm -hmm. long. And now I can't tell if they're too long because they're just just sandwiched with other scenes. Mm -hmm. And it's just a whole, like 
kaleidoscope. Yeah, because then we get Diana's like, okay, everyone, get dressed. Cyborg takes off his hoodie. I'm always dressed. <laughs> oh, great. That line stayed in the movie. Yeah. That wouldn't have been me. I would have been like, Cyborg, try this line. Do you just rip the hoodie off and you go, I'm naked? <laughs> <laughs> Runs away. Everyone just stares at him open mouth. <laughs> I don't need to get dressed. I'm better naked. That's like his new catchphrase. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, if you won't say boo yet, this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then we get the same weeding cut scene where Barry has to awkwardly hand over his military ID as Cyborg is hacking the computer to let them in. Cyborg triggers an alarm that there's a contamination breach, so all the scientists have to evacuate the building. Silas is in there, and he's like, no, this is bullshit. Nobody leave, but of course nobody's listening to him, so he's just going to continue doing his job. But then he sees Cyborg and friends, and he's like, okay, there is a contamination breach. Everyone get out of here, including myself. You don't want to help your son? Okay, so their plan, we're going to use the mother box to bring Superman back to life, the way it brought Cyborg back to life. This will work. How we're going to generate enough electricity to power up Superman is we're gonna use Flash's electrical charge from the Speed Force. Why? Because we have a tried and true method. We have a scientist who has pulled this off. Exactly. Why not consult that guy? None of you are scientists. You're all a bunch of dumb idiots who like run around in like barely any clothing, except for Superman who just keeps putting more on so why don't you all just like consult the professional he's clearly willing to help you get mira <laughs> i'm never gonna let this go and by the way martian manhunter i know you can fly and read minds and take on any form you want and kind of be everywhere why don't you just help them i mean you saw how much help he was during man of steel when clark and zod were tearing up metropolis He's I not going to show up now. Listen, I wouldn't get in front of Superman either. He scares me in this mm, world. In this universe, yeah. he's a weapon. He doesn't have any sense of morality. Anyways, we'll get to that. Yeah. They get onto Superman's ship in order to use that uh, weird goo thing in it. The same thing that Lex did to create <laughs> Doomsday. The hot tub. And um, they're walking through it, and they find skeletons in alien coffins. Yeah, it looks like a scene from Alien. Is this actually Superman's ship, the one that was in the Arctic? Or is this Zod's ship that crashed in Metropolis and they're just calling it Superman's ship? If it's actually Clark's ship, they're rewriting his origin. There are dead people on that ship. His dad was a serial killer. Because, <laughs> because then that's like the aliens thing, like what V said. It's like there were multiple people trying to leave Krypton Clark was just the lucky one that survived the travel. Which, again, it's completely rewriting the origin because the scientists completely disregarded Jor-El's theory of Krypton exploding. And they also made space travel forbidden. So this yeah. is just changing everything, if that's actually Clark's ship. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt and saying that it's Zod's ship. And they're like, oh, you know, Zod, Superman, destruction. What's the difference? Aliens all look the same. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was Zod's ship because usually if you have this extent, 
extensive of like a lab up somewhere usually whatever you're trying to study was where the lab popped itself up oh it is clark's ship because you got to see his floating wardrobe oh that's right oh, he yeah, has a walk-in closet yeah you walk past and they're like it's it's a superman it's like your wardrobe sir it has like all these adult outfits custom designed to his adult self yeah but when did his ship get into metropolis was that during man of steel i don't know because the last i saw it it was in the arctic (laughs) like how did this ship get lex Luthor? billionaire yeah i thought in batman versus superman they said it was because it was there during batman v superman that mm-hmm. ship's been there for a while i thought that was zod ship and it stayed there after like the partial destruction of metropolis I was have... that zod's wardrobe did he have superman outfits made up it wouldn't have superman's <laughs> shield on them it would have zod's shield on them if that was the case doesn't make sense it rewrites things we wanted a dead person in there for spookiness. Literally. We don't even get to see the rest of it because then, again, awkward cut to um, Amy Adams getting lost from her CVS pharmacy commercial set <laughs> where she's advertising antidepressants and pregnancy tests. Her, <laughs> her wardrobe with the pills and the, the pregnancy test and she's walking through a world of gray and it's very slow motion And it's just peppered in as they're like prepping Clark's body, things that we saw in the weed and cut. Also, he, sorry. Oh, go for it. Why didn't Amy Adams tell Martha? Because, like, they were having this moment where she's just like, both of us need to commiserate about how we were the only women in his life and we knew him best. And she's like, yeah, I'm not alone moment. Mm-hmm. A moment between women. Mm-hmm. She would be the only person Lois could tell about her pregnancy. And she's just like, nah, this yeah. is my secret. I'm going to deal with this horror pregnancy all by myself. Only thing I could have thought of was like, she wasn't 100% sure yet. Maybe. Because it looked like it was still in the box. Could be. Well, it would be really gross if she was just keeping used pregnancy tests in her soft <laughs> yeah. jar. First of all, like, Lois being pregnant in the comics was a very big deal because people were like, their physiology isn't compatible. She could actually die. And they, like, built it up and it was huge. And in this, it's just kind of like a throwaway, well, you know, pregnant Lois. Doesn't have to fear about if the baby kicks, it's going to go right through her screen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Cyborg hacks into the ship and he's like, guys, the ship is talking to me and it's saying that we shouldn't do this. But meanwhile, it's not just talking to him. It's on speaker. Everyone can hear it saying, please don't do this. This is a bad idea. And he's like, I can hear its thoughts. And everyone else is like listening to the ship going, stop it. Because it counts down. I'm doing it, Barry. Five seconds. Ignites it. Superman returns. And uh, everything but his pants get destroyed. Oh, it's the Hulk magic. (laughs) He flies into the air looking at everything. As he flies into the air, the mother box that was on top of him that ignited him crashes onto a nearby car where all the Star Lab scientists were. And Silas is the only one that notices. I know. For plot. And then all nearby security and uh, police officers that are like bordering around the ship all these people that were mourning him, you know? They're like, oh, we this missed Superman. He did out of his so much for us. We just want him back. He's back. 
They're like, bring in the military, get the guns out, get they, the tanks. They all like, like the, the security guard just like sees him. All he's doing is hovering. This one guy pulls his gun out. Like this is the guy who's like, yeah, we all miss him, Lois. Oh man, I got to guard this in memory of him. Oh no, he's back. <laughs> like everyone seems like really upset that he's back. And this just proves my point. Lois is full of it. Everyone is just, like, freaked out. And you know what? They were right to be. They're they just ignoring the symbol. They don't know what he was really like. Yeah, they don't. Good for them. And then we get the same thing that we got in the Whedon cut, just a little bit more scenes of Superman fighting the entire Justice League. Barry, in order to ramp up before he charges at Superman, takes another little reference of his from Avatar <laughs> The Last Airbender, and reenact Zuko's lightning bending practice. Where you just like <laughs> kneel down with one leg and the other leg goes straight out to the side and you like point down to the, what was it, the other hand? You point, point out down. and then you go in. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing the lightning dance. But of course, they're no match for Superman. And Superman says, fuck the guns, fuck the military, and fuck the Justice League. I'll take you all on. And just as he's about to fries Batman, Lois shows up, and then they had just had that same interaction. Let's just go. Get out of here. But she Me. was looking <laughs> over his shoulder at Bruce, and she was like, just go. Like, I got him. Run. <laughs> it took me a second to realize she was talking to Superman. Just making him seem more like a monster every scene. <laughs> just like everything oh in this context is scary. But the fact that this is when the power scaling gets completely bonkers right yeah. so he's taking on all of them he's fighting wonder woman and aquaman and cyborg all with his two fists and then he sees barry run past him which is a cool moment and it's just like oh my gosh he's too much for everyone he's stronger than wonder woman and wonder woman was giving that big bad like a run for his money but superman he's just so much stronger and then he faces off against batman flat on his back not really begging for his life, but kind of pacifist Batman now, which is a change. Yeah. And Superman just fries his gauntlet. Batman's tech, once again, this time without any kryptonite, completely stands up to Superman. <laughs> but because of the plot, the power scaling is just like all over the place. Mm -hmm. This guy who can take on Wonder Woman, way overpowered Wonder Woman. And yet, Batman, no. Overpowered by Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and Aquaman. All like, holding him at the same time. All yeah. have super strength. Yeah, but like Batman's gauntlets though. Those lasers, they can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Alfred's the real MVP here. Without Alfred, Bruce would have been dead. Yeah, and here's the thing. Diana tries to use her gauntlet trick. She tries to do that on Superman. He sticks his hand in between her gauntlets so she can't do it. So he's not like a mindless killing machine. He like remembers no. that about her that those do that so he's thinking he's just thinking evil thoughts yeah and then he looks over at bruce you know all murderous she's fine by the way she, she doesn't have a scratch on her she's still posing like she could get up in sonic boom if she wanted you know she could take him on yeah. again but it's not her blocking she has to lie there they all do because it's lois's turn so it's all very like weird it's like you do this then you do this then this happens one at a time and then Lois will look at him and go, let's go. And he'll go, oh, it is you, the only human I will not kill. It makes him so unlikable. Why do they do this? I don't know. But then the scene cuts, and then we get Steppenwolf arriving for the mother box. 
Silas took it into the lab and was basically on a suicide mission the whole time. He then traps himself in a room while Cyborg is now fighting Steppenwolf to make sure that his dad is safe. They give each other a look and then he activates this laser inside the room which turns Silas to dust. Steppenwolf then takes the mother box and boom tubes out of there. Once the rest of the team shows up, they realize that he did it to leave a heat signature on the mother box. So that way they can track it with infrared. Which was pretty well set up beforehand too, because at first it was like, what? But mm-hmm. like they had said, it stores heat. So if you superheat it, it will have his heat energy mm-hmm. bigger than anything yeah. else yeah. on Earth. But at the same time, isn't Victor connected to the mother box because he was created by the mother box? Couldn't he just Normally. track the mother box? Normally. But then we don't get to kill yeah. his dad. And we don't get to have him actually appreciate his dad. We can finally have him drop the robot man act where he'll emote. Yeah, because then from then on, he actually showed emotion. Yeah, then he acts like a person, and you realize he was faking it the whole time. But also, even his personality is wooden. This Mm -hmm. is how wooden his facial expressions are. It looks like the human part of him is CG. Yeah, it really does. Really weird. But yeah, that was the end of chapter five. And then we get chapter six, something darker where we are getting more back-to-back different scenes of too many things going on. Starts off in the Kent farm where Clark brought Lois because he remembered it. He said, it's home. She's like, you spoke. I didn't speak before. While I was destroying all of my friends and showing them how powerful I am. And then it cuts to the Batcave where... Bruce says, Dad, I'm home, and I brought my friends over for cucumber sandwiches. My super friend. (laughs) (laughs) Where Cyborg also gives his plan of, hey, Steppenwolf is going to merge the mother boxes to create the unity. I'm going to tap into that. I'm going to separate it from the inside. You went through that really fast, but let me just say, when I saw the Something Darker placard, I was like, oh my gosh. Scott Snyder is watching this and just like... (laughs) <laughs> you think he's doing Batman who laughs? I think he's just like, yes, darker, he knows me. <laughs> I really do love that Scott Snyder posted on Twitter this weekend. He's like, I don't really feel bad about not correcting all these people who are thanking me for my movie. <laughs> also, Cyborg's plan of streaming into the Unity, was that the plan in the Whedon version, or was that a totally different plan? I'm pretty certain Whedon's plan made no sense. I mean, all three mother boxes were supposed to be joined, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they called it the Unity. I think he just said, like, we have to make sure we get to it before they merge. It wasn't necessarily, like, I have to get into its interface and blah, 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 blah. This whole theme of yeah. this movie is so broken. Like, there's no way you can you can pad it so it's not weird. Like, the whole concept of, like, we have to get together so we can break it apart. Mm. We're anti-unity, but to be anti-unity, we have to be pro-unity. Eh. But then in the end, they break apart, too, so it's like... Yeah. Meh. It's weird. So, he gives his plan. They're good with the plan. Cuts back to the Kent farm. Clark is playing outside with a butterfly. <laughs> and then he eats it like Mira ate those roses in Rome. <laughs> These are the important scenes we missed out on, people. This is what Snyder really strived to show us. 
All my intrusive thoughts during this movie. It's just like, I'm still scared of this guy and he's playing with the butterfly. I'm like, what is he going to do to the butterfly? It's just that stupid thing of like, you have this guy with immense power daintily playing with a butterfly. Oh, life is precious. It must be preserved. It wasn't earned. No. We don't know that the madness has worn off. There's no like, hey, are you you? And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry. I was pretty rude back there. I, I hope I didn't frighten you with my murdering. I don't really know how you apologize for that, but you could say something like, uh, Lazarus Pit, you know? Well, you could say something other than just nothing. I was frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused about my surroundings. I recognized everyone there and their power sets, of course. That's how I was able to counteract them. We didn't even mention that when he first wakes up, he's like staring at them all angrily and they're like, he's scanning us. And he is. Like Iron Giant's scanning them. They're like, is he a monster or a weapon? You decide. And also, Cyborg's, like, internal computer was like, danger! Danger! Like, I think they would have been fine (laughs) if Cyborg hadn't have accidentally, like, let off a missile to the man that just woke up out of a coma, so... That was horrible. Yeah, and then we cut back to the Batcave. Bruce is telling everyone that Lois is the key to Superman. (laughs) Then cuts to Steppenwolf merging the boxes. And it reminded me of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. The first one when he was learning how to use his powers. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's, like, trying to say the right words. Yeah. What did he he's say? Like, he's like, mother boxes, unite, <laughs> activate, <laughs> synchronize. <laughs> what, did, what did Tobey Maguire say? He's like, fly. <laughs> up, up, and away, web. Go, web, go. I mean, like, I think they're trying to make you like Steppenwolf. He's been more relatable than Superman this whole time. But yeah, so then he merges them. Cut back to the Batcave again. Barry and Aquaman are talking about how weird Cyborg is and how Aquaman actually cares. And then you see the mom and pop of the group, Bruce and Diana, looking at Barry. (laughs) And they just have this look of, like... He walks so silly. What was he doing in that moment, too? Eating. He was a snack hole. Yeah, Yeah, they're both just kind of looking at him like this was a mistake. Yeah, like, where did we go wrong with him? (laughs) (laughs) They really do set up Bruce and Diana as the mommy and daddy of the group. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. basically, Bruce was just saying, he's like, you know, when I had that weird vision, it was Barry that came to me. So hopefully we're going to be okay. Superman goes to his ship in Metropolis, looks at his variety of outfit choices as he is getting an inner monologue from both Jor-El and Jonathan basically telling him to be a hero and that he makes the right decisions, he's a good person and then he sees the outfit that he would normally wear with the primary colors and he goes no. And he turns around and then he puts on the black suit. The hopeful suit. The hopeful one. (laughs) And then, once again, we have that Man of Steel takeoff scene. All the rocks and pebbles start floating around him before he's, he takes off. He's doing telekinesis. Yeah. He's, like, spinning them. The first time that they did it, it was, like, a couple little pebbles here and there. Like, the ground kind of shook, you know? So it was like, okay, so it's yeah. kind of like a, like a jump-off type of thing. This time, it's, yeah. like, actual rocks and boulders. Things that are, like, size of, like, at least a person's thigh. And it swirls around his hand, his one hand, and then it starts to swirl around him. I'm like, it's like that scene from Atlantis. 
is is he using TTK? No, because that's not contact telekinesis. That's uh, that's just straight up telekinesis. It's earthbending. Whatever it is, it's not it's Superman's power set. <laughs> Someone was watching Avatar. That's all I can say. I mean, yeah, and Barry's the firebender because then we get the suit up scene where everybody is like, Aquaman has to grab a trident. Cyborg is just doing something with his hand. Barry is doing more firebending mantra shit. Yeah. Don't want to get a cramp in the middle of running, Barry. He's going to do trip a lot. They all get in the jet. Bruce tells Alfred to prepare for Superman to oh, show wait. up. Don't forget, the jet just randomly shows up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because Cyborg apparently fixed it. When he was just standing in that one spot as Barry and Arthur are just looking at him. But that's not how fixing hard things is like you have to be connected to it and clearly <laughs> that ship's at a totally separate location yeah he's like emotionally because... it didn't want to run that was the thing mm-hmm. the hardware was fine yeah i would have liked to see him get his hands dirty i mean bruce did alfred did the one guy who fixes it boom it works flies out of freaking nowhere they all just pile in bruce tells alfred hey clark's gonna be here soon get ready for him and they fly off to Russia. Bruce drops them all off. He's like, all right, I'm going to go take out that force field. Uses 40-something yeah. missiles or whatever to take this thing down. Because, again, this is the Batman that uses guns and missiles and everything else you can possibly think of and has unlimited ammo. Nuclear arsenal in the Batcave. The parademons find the ship. And, then of course, hops in his Batmobile, which he brought along. Dual miniguns. A-blazing. <laughs> as he just... <laughs> plows through hordes of parademons. <laughs> One thing I want to point out about this, when they get to this town, thankfully, they explain very briefly, there's no one there. And I'm like, what the hell, Whedon? You made this an actual town. Yeah. They take the time to say it. Hey, this town, good thing it's been abandoned for a really long time. Huh, Whedon? See, that's the bingo sheet. Oh, there it is. There's Thank the diss. I wanted that. You I was looking it. for the diss. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for calling <laughs> that out. So yeah, Batman is just moseying along. He's driving the Batmobile like you would in a video game. <laughs> it, yes. it reminded me of Lego Star Wars. Because you have unlimited ammo and you can only go one way. Yes. So it's just guns ablazing the whole time. You don't care. And then, Spray and pray. once again, just like the Central City scene, we have to focus in slow motion on one inanimate object, and this time it's a shell casing from the minigun. <laughs> it sort of parallels the sesame seed. <laughs> and then this is when we get the slow-mo where the rest of the team joins up, runs alongside the Batmobile, Aquaman hops on, then Diana shows up in the middle where V said she looked like she was yodeling. Yes. <laughs> Everybody is getting their different music soundtracks again. We have Diana with the vocals. Aquaman is getting some, like, biker music as he's getting thrown <laughs> up into the air. Gets caught by Cyborg, so we get that weed and cut thing. And he's like, my man! <laughs> That's it. It's just as bad in this cut. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut back to CG Arkham Knight Batman just dodging and weaving all these parademons as if somebody's just pressing B repeatedly on the controller. You know what? <laughs> it just came to me. 
what Aquaman reminds me of. Because I'm like, he reminds me of some DC character, but not Aquaman. He reminds me of Lobo. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's fucking Lobo. It's Lobo. <laughs> He's literally Lobo. You're absolutely right. It's Lobo. Great job, V. Thank you. If we'd actually had him as Lobo, I think it would have worked. Aquaman was next to useless. Like, you are at least showing him in this film. Like, Aquaman doesn't need to be in the water to be useful. He has super strength, but that's really about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. If you had actually had Jason Momoa as Lobo, that would have been hilarious. It would fit him more. This film would not have taken itself seriously, and it would have been probably ten times better. It wouldn't have been a Snyder film if it didn't take itself seriously. And intentionally misunderstand every aspect of the story material like i don't want to call snyder fans fake fans because it's not true a lot of longtime fans have been paying lip service to this but like if you like superman you won't like this film if you like batman who doesn't kill you won't like this film if you like barry for any of his characteristics (laughs) at all down to the running (laughs) to to the, the sense of humor the heart, anything, you won't like this. If you liked old school Aquaman from the comics, you won't like this. Yeah. Even if you like hookhand Aquaman, you won't like this. It's not your parents' Justice League. It's not your Justice League. <laughs> it's Snyder's just. Don't try to take from... It's his vision. <laughs> this is Snyder's Justice League. Just for him. Just Snyder's Justice League. Titans is the same way. Yeah. That's why I don't watch it. I don't know if it was because they were trying to replicate a lot of Snyderisms in Titans, but it just... Yeah. I don't know. It kind of struck me, like, just from the trailers I saw, it was, like, more like a an edgy superhero Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Pretty good summation of that. But, yeah. So, Batman's dodging and weaving. He goes up to a parademon <laughs> turret. He's like, I know how to work this thing. He immediately... And you don't... He just starts blasting away. Then <laughs> I guess he had enough fun because then he looks at Diana. They both give each other a nod. And then he blows up the turret. It's like and a then... 300 flashback. That was the exact scene in 300. <laughs> you gotta check with the wife to make sure it's good. Also, like, the way, the way Batman gravitates towards guns it's like they're talking to him the way machines talk to cyborg he just sees a gun it's like batman's new catchphrase i never saw a gun i didn't want to use on someone like he just sees a turret he's like oh he runs over he just starts blasting he's having a great time and diana says okay that's enough now on to the next one says okay blows it up then we get a cut to alfred working on one of bruce's cars and we get a small reenactment from the 1990s classic Jurassic Park <laughs> where Alfred used his glass of scotch to look at the ripples in the glass. To, oh, no. The predator's here. Superman arrived. <laughs> Superman, the god. The no god one no one asked more. for. Yeah, so... <laughs> absolutely insane because they keep setting this up like he's some... He's a monster. That's literally all they treat him as, is, like, he's just a horrible person. But before this, like, when he shot up into space after putting the suit on, of course he freaking T-poses into the sun, all Jesus Messiah-like, I have yeah. risen. And again, we don't God. get the, ex- the actual explanation for the black suit. It's just a different outfit that he chooses to wear yeah. because it matches how he, he feels it. inside. <laughs> so, yeah, Called he it. shows up to Alfred. Alfred's like, oh, they went that way. He's like, cool. And then he flies off again. 
And then we cut back to the Justice League having their showdown against Steppenwolf. Who has now glowy eyes. Yeah, because of the whole Unity thing. Cyborg is trying to work on the mother boxes. Aquaman is doing more ridiculous things where his trident. You have, like, these blue ripples that come out of it. It's like, oh, is he just making water now? Or are those supposed to be, like, sound vibrations the same way Cyborg's gun works? We don't know. It's just blue effects. <laughs> more of the 300 Greek choir vocals. But Aquaman and Diana's friendship throughout this whole thing, I feel like it was done pretty well. Yeah, They do work really well alongside each other. In kind of the same way that Flash and, and Cyborg do not. Mm-hmm. Yep, the fight felt like it was not gonna go in the right way. But I felt the stakes were actually way higher compared to how the fight in the Whedon version was <laughs> derp, 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 derp. <laughs> felt so disconnected. And this one was, like you mentioned, Aquaman and Diana like working together as a team in the fight. Yeah. Like, was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, hi, look, teamwork, it's a thing. That was right out of the comics, it felt like for me. Yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. I will say that in that respect, I mean, there were a lot of things this did a lot better than the Weed and mm-hmm. Cut. Because, like, I remember last episode we were talking about how the Weed and Cut was still better because it was shorter. Yeah. And it told pretty much the same things. Mm-hmm. This one, though, it's there's some scenes that are definitely... 100% superior. Yeah. Second half was definitely better. Then, of course, Superman shows up. Doesn't say anything. He doesn't speak for the rest of the film. Maybe a couple groans here and there, but that's about it. He just flexes on Steppenwolf, showing how powerful he is, beating him to a pulp. Heat visions a third of Steppenwolf's head off. Freeze his weapon. All right, yeah. immediately. With a dopey freaking smile on his He's face. He's loving it. That's sadist. He's into okay, it. Okay, I do have to admit, him just like looking at him like, come on, man. And then it was like, it was just like cocky. I liked that, but it not for Superman. Like, it would have worked in another, with another character or some other situation. Like, I like when characters show up and be like, nah, fuck you. And just like, can back up their cockiness with their ability. But it just didn't work for... Not for that moment. If he wasn't trying to kill someone... Somebody. I felt that was more of like a Connor move. Yeah. Well, they already gave him the telekinesis. Yeah, they did. <laughs> he looked more lovingly at Steppenwolf's dismembered horn than he did at Lois. That is how <laughs> off this characterization is. He was yeah. into it. He wanted to kill. It was really bad. Superman just kept getting more powerful. The power scaling is just all over the place here. And somehow, all these parademons, the battle with Steppenwolf, the only person that is getting hurt is the man that is circling the perimeter at the speed of light. And somehow a parademon manages to track this? That's pretty spectacular. And poor Barry in the side. Especially after we've seen what terrible shots they are. This guy's just like, no, I got this. I'm the good shot of the group. It was so weird. And then he has to stop running, which ruins the plan. So Cyborg is struggling. The boom tube shows up, and now we see Darkseid, Desaad, and Granny Goodness. Granny Goodness! I was into it. I'm like, where? And I looked, and I'm like, where is she? (laughs) And I kept looking. Is that white-haired man Granny Goodness? Because, like, there is a person there, a very slim, svelte, senator-looking person. Not the monster Granny Goodness is. Yeah. They humanized Granny Goodness, and then they dehumanized Assad. 
Mm-hmm. His decide looks more human than Granny Goodness. And now he's yeah. like a monster with sharp teeth and he's kind of got like a It's similar a horn to Steppenwolf in terms of like the face minus the horns. Oh yeah, he's got the weird nose. And like the weird like hooks on his chin. But somehow like mm-hmm. all the women have to be hot. That's why Martha couldn't be like an old lady. She had to be like a middle-aged woman with long hair and very few lines in her face. Mm-hmm. Just look pretty. And they tried to make Granny Goodness pretty. I don't know why you would do that. I, I mean, like the, her as a monster. <laughs> the Female Furies comic did the same thing to Granny Goodness. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, we don't mention that. <laughs> the baking contest. This moment, I was like, oh shit, they lost. I thought for sure Darkseid was gonna like walk over. Because it's a boom tube, it's right. not just a viewing thing. I thought for sure oh. that he was either gonna have like the parademons go first. Or, I don't know, Omega Beam? Yeah. Through the thing? Literally anything. His Omega Beams say, screw time and space, and laser straight into suits. Yep, all of them. He could have put up a good fight with Superman. He could have just been like, oh, and just everyone dawned. Yeah. But he seems completely desperate for the unity so that he can do anything. Mm-hmm. He refuses yeah. to move unless all the mother boxes connect. Which, like, is kind of like Darkseid to a point. He will still step foot or he'll float in or whatever, and he will still Omega Beam anything in his way. Darkseid will still show that he is the guy that nobody wants to mess with. So that was really weird. But, yeah, like Muse said, it looks like they were losing, and they were. Because Barry stopped running, and then the explosion happens from the Unity, which destroys the Earth. But at the last second, Barry enters the Speed Force and is able to reverse time as he's having an echoey monologue with himself as like a little message to his dad of, You're gonna be so proud of your boy! (laughs) Also, when they were trying to use Barry's Speed Force electricity to power up the Mother Box, hinted at the time manipulation. I don't remember if he said it outright mm-hmm. in that scene. I don't think they even included that in the Whedon no. version because it wasn't relevant. Well, we kind of thought he might time travel back from Batman v Superman because that's right. our first view of Barry is when he's time traveling. Mm-hmm. And plus the whole movie with the Flashpoint thing. But actually using it as a plot thing. Way to go, Barry. You just saved the day. <laughs> yeah, Cyborg thought he was the one that was going to be the main savior of this film. But it's always Barry, if maybe not they Superman. Needed, maybe they had to tell him that just because of Ray Fisher's enormous ego. <laughs> maybe. Literally. So Barry turns back time. He gets the Cyborg on time. Him and Superman separate the mother boxes. They throw Steppenwolf through the boom tube, but not until Diana decapitates him. Because we can't have a villain that doesn't have a head. (laughs) You know what? Actually, it does seem like Zack Snyder likes to watch zombie films. (laughs) I'm seeing it. Between all the mindless drones. You gotta go for that headshot or it doesn't count. (laughs) I was trying to think. I was like, weird Victor scenes. Like, oh no, we mentioned that already. Crazy post-apocalyptic. And we kind of see that again with his vision of himself, but it was the witches yeah. of the mother boxes. That was the other weird thing. When Barry's running through the speed force and back in time, he envisions the mother boxes as demonic before Cyborg separates him. Or was that, Cy- yeah, Cyborg's vision. It was in Cyborg. Cyborg. Yes. He taps Cyborg. He gets him to connect to the unity That's it. with his electricity from the speed mm-hmm. force. And Cyborg goes in. He sees the temptations of the unity that, that Wonder Woman warned him about. She said, if you go into the mother boxes, they're going to tempt you with your desires. 
years and he sees three he sees his mother his father and a version of himself which if i was going to tempt someone with everything they wanted i wouldn't show them a picture of themselves um talking to them because it would be like i can't see myself in this picture because you're already in it other person who's not me but at the same time, I think it was more of like, I can give you your body back the whole way. Like, yeah, he said that. This. And throughout the movie, when we've gone into Victor's little like computer mind space, his little like avatar of himself was always him, still fully human, wearing his varsity jersey. I was like, okay, I'll give you a sticker because we get the pan of him still in that little avatar of himself and it shifts over and it changes to him as cyborg denying what the unity wants and separating it so you're like okay that was a cool moment we that's a cliched moment we see that mm. when someone's like in a headspace but at least like you executed it properly and it looked cool there wasn't enough like actual time for character development between any of these characters in reality so like really that wasn't, wasn't earned no. It was just kind no, of slapped wasn't. in there, like, he had this X-Men speech where it's like, I'm not broken, I'm yeah. a whole. And it's like, oh, okay, Mr. Perfect, when did you come to that realization just now? And he's like, I'm going to tear you apart, so he tears the family apart. Which is just terrible symbolism right. all around. He just tears the family Ooh. apart, and it turns out it's three demons, but also kind of looks like the three fates. And he pulls them apart, and they're all screaming, and they're horrifying monsters, but it's really just the boxes or horrible witch ladies inside. Yeah, which again, it's not the mother boxes. They're sentient. They're not that sentient. And he pulls them apart, and I guess they're broken now. Yeah, apparently they just shut off, even though the, the scary Kryptonian is right there with his hands on them, trying to separate them. Yeah, at the end of the last minute, he's like, I need help separating! And Superman's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the, between the two of them, they separate it. Steppenwolf gets decapitated. Head and body get thrown through the boom tube at Darkseid's feet. He closes the boom tube, and then he's like, I'm gonna have to do this the old-fashioned way. And then we never see Darkseid again, which was also oh. on our bingo sheet, where he was not a big threat. Muse was right from the last episode. And then we get that final shot again. Everybody's in slow motion. Batman is holding on for dear life. And Superman shows up. He's like, hey, bro, need me to pick you up when you're feeling down? <laughs> no homo. <laughs> and then they all stand side by side, cape slowly blowing in the breeze. Also Aquaman's hair, if you want to count that as a cape, it's long enough. Yeah. And then we also see that weird force fist bump between Cyborg and Flash because it's like, yeah, we're friends now. Because <laughs> no one else wants to hang out with us. And then we get Bye. the epilogue because we can't just end it there. A father twice over, where we now see Cyborg in his hoodie back in his apartment with the broken window still and the broken tape recorder on the table. And then he sciency magics the tape recorder back together to fix it, including the tape. The tape is somehow not torn to shreds. And then he gets to play the rest of Silas's message, which voices over the rest of the epilogue for the most part basically just saying you did great you're a hero you win kind of the same speech as superman got from jarell and jonathan he also says the title Pretty of the epilogue he mm -hmm. says i'm a father twice over i was there when you were born and brought you back from the dead so i get double the prizes on father's day it's literally like if you ever seen a sports movie it's it's that, the, it's that fourth quarter coach speech to <laughs> just reignite that inspiration. <laughs> but here's the thing. He's such a generic football player, it works. He's just like, yeah. oh, 
a speech from my old man. He loves me. But the weird thing is, like Joe mentioned, how did he fix this? Like, if he fixed the cybernetics, okay, that's one thing, but did he somehow gain abilities from the mother box to fix that? Or is he actually the anti-life equation? He has the power of life and death. So yeah, so then as Silas is monologuing his voiceover, we then cut to Arthur talking to Mira and Volko. He gives a trident back. He hops onto a fisherman's truck. He rides away, and then we cut to Mira, who both her and Volko have completely different wigs from the Aquaman movie. Mira's hair is a lot lighter. The outfit looks a lot better. Then we see Mommy and Daddy, Batman and Wonder Woman, looking at this empty, rundown mansion. They're like, yeah, a big round table right there in the middle. Six chairs, but room for more, of course. It's such a mo- expecting mommy and daddy God. thing to say. My question was, is this the rundown Wayne Manor? That's because if thinking. it is, why is Bruce acting like this is the first time he's seeing it? <laughs> and if it's not the Wayne Manor, why isn't it the Wayne Manor? Why are you looking at a completely other separate rundown mansion Maybe when you have one doesn't... in Gotham? Okay, l- listen, everyone <laughs> calm down. It can't be the Wayne Manor. He cannot be running the Justice League out of his home. <laughs> That's ridiculous. He's Batman. He has to have, like, a Justice League headquarters. Sorry, a Super Friends headquarters, because this is not the Justice League. This so? is this is some loose friends who sometimes have poker nights. <laughs> they're not ready yet for a giant base in D.C. Right. So they're buying a place together. They're <laughs> pointing out, look at that spot. Could be a nursery. They're just like... <laughs> We gotta have room to grow as a family. Yeah. And then we get that bank scene again between Clark and Bruce where he's like, yeah, you saved your house. I bought the bank that foreclosed it. And uh, also, congratulations are in order, signifying more of the pregnancy of Lois Lane. I like to think she told him and he didn't find out through creepy means. <laughs> and yeah, and then we get more of the monologues. Clark is back in Metropolis, has his job back. He's like, hey guys, I'm alive. I guess sees some trouble up in the sky, turns down an alley, opens up the shirt, and it's still the black suit. We're sticking with it. He could have went back to primary colors, but nope. Black and gray all the way. Then we cut to Lex Luthor escaping prison, but it's not just any prison. Some reason Lex is in Arkham Asylum. That's what happens when you act like the Joker idiot. (laughs) They put you in Arkham. Is this the same scene that was at the end of Justice League? Well, the you didn't get to see Lex break out or that he okay. broke out. You just cut to him on his yacht. He would be in Rikers, though. Yeah. I think at the end of Batman v Superman, they show him at Arkham for some weird reason. I remember mm. seeing that, and I was just as confused as you guys. Very confused as well. Yep, so we get that same scene where Deathstroke shows up because Lex hired him. He wants to kill Batman. He's like, oh, good news. Batman is Bruce Wayne. And then they clink champagne glasses. And And we're still waiting for Joker. We're like, this epilogue is enormous. This is a whole other chapter. And then we get the future hellscape again where you have Mad Max version of Batman, Cyborg, Mira, Barry, Deathstroke with the Mohawk, and Jared Leto's Joker. Once again, this was the reshoots. Mirror's acting, Amber Heard, is so wooden. And I wonder if, like, oh, this was the reshoots during the court cases that she's been dealing with. (laughs) 
She's she's just awkwardly yeah. talking to her co-stars. Like, so I heard uh, you poop in beds when you're angry at people. <laughs> uh, haven't heard that one before. Please kill me. <laughs> and Jared Leto's like, okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot he's a character actor <laughs> or a method actor. <laughs> but even his portrayal of the Joker, it's more like Willy Wonka in this one. Yes, and I thought he was. <laughs> What if he was just doing a Johnny Depp impression to, like, mess with Mira? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that's why she was even angrier. That's why Jack's she was like, so this mad. Is good. We need this. Keep rolling. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Bottom why is line, Jared Leto acting like him? This quote-unquote Joker redemption scene? Pointless. Mm-hmm. You didn't need her at all. It added nothing because the hellscape isn't a thing. Superman shows up red eyes and is going to kill them all. That's how it ends. Bruce wakes up because it's a nightmare. First of all, he's just like looking out. I'm like, what sort of Wayne Manor would this be where there's just a whole wall of windows? <laughs> Wayne Manor doesn't have windows. Silly goose. <laughs> nope. Can't let the sun in. But then he gets a surprise visitor at like, let's say six o'clock in the morning and it's Martian Manhunter who just floats down and say, hey, you guys did great work. I want to be there on the next time. I'll be in touch. Stay cool. And then he flies off into the sunset. And he tells sunrise. him that his parents would be proud. Yeah. Which is, I think, how he thought he could ingratiate himself to the orphan boy. I guess. But you know what? He didn't say the magic word. And that's why he probably won't get the call back. The magic word being Martha. He said both parents. Yeah. He but has the to thing just is, say the one. He can look like Martha. <laughs> Why would you say Martha when you can be Martha? Which he has already done. Yes. So we we have his resume. You're right. He shows up to the next fight as Martha. <laughs> so that's it. Martian Manhunter flies off and then screen goes black. And then you see the words for Autumn, which, of course, it's dedicated to Zack Snyder's daughter. And then we get the famous Hallelujah song. Yep. He really did tie his daughter to this monstrosity. Yeah. I don't think that was very respectful, personally. Mm, no. But, uh, but yeah, the Joker scene. That mm-hmm. was so weird. The, the dialogue between Batman and the Joker... They're, like, keeping Joker distant from everyone so he can look over his shoulder like a rock star and go, ah, ah. And so Batman goes and talks to him, and he's like, yeah, you have dead parents. And Batman's like, you better watch your tone. He goes, and a dead adopted son. Why'd you send a Robin to a man's job? And Batman is like, that doesn't sound very careful, Joker. And Batman's telling him when Harley died in my arms, she oh, told yeah. me to kill you slow, and believe me, I will kill you. Batman was so weak and stupid. Like, all of that dialogue was dumb. Yeah. They're both just, like, posturing to each other for no reason. And Joker holds up this card and says, as long as you have this card, we're, like, at peace. And Batman takes the card. He's like, I'll kill you later. Okay, first of all, this is a very stupid dynamic. Secondly, why would you take the card and be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna take one of your props to believe a habitual liar. The whole situation was just bizarre and I can't understand what would transpire to make that a believable or well-written scene. What purpose does Joker serve for this ragtag weird team in a post-apocalyptic society? Clickbait. It was just more fuel for the release the air cut Suicide Squad. This was 100% clickbait. Yeah. 
The reshoots were pointless. And I hope they don't release the air cut. I'm so done with this. Well, CW, DC already released, like, (laughs) that is not happening. The Snyderverse is dying. And that's why they're getting the death threats. Mm -hmm. So, now that we've watched a whole thing in full, Muse, last Mm -hmm. time you rated it a zero out of five. Which I didn't know you could do. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that still what it is for you? Uh, because of the actually made sense plot of what they were planning on doing with the mother box of reviving Clark, some of the character moments and the fact that things moved, things did move in part two. There was a lot of unnecessary back and forth between things, but it didn't feel as much of a slog. So I upped it to a one. (laughs) Technically, end of it, by the end of part six, I was inclined to give it a two. Another thing that you forgot to mention was Barry's dad being the proudest dad ever of his son getting a job, which was kind of adorable. Like, he was the only good thing, was Barry Allen's dad. He was the only good actor. Man, that guy can emote. He was great. He acted his heart out at the end. I loved that scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the hellscape is what made me go, are you fucking kidding me? It was dumb. It was pointless. If that future hellscape had not been a thing, and maybe if you want to bring in the Manhunter thing at the end, fine. Have him have a mild, like, short, choppy dream of scenes we'd already Mm -hmm. seen. I'd be like, okay, whatever. But that was unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. And it was dumb. And it's pandering to the fans so much to be like, we did it once. Look, this is what you could have had. We can do it again. No. Well, they can't because Batfleck is out. Yeah, after Flash. And, like, nobody at DC is going to trust Zack Snyder again. After first, he sicked his fans on the execs. He made excuses for any violence that was created in his name. Mm -hmm. And he basically blackmailed the studio into giving him his way. And then in the wake of that, we have Mr. Ray Fisher, who has been, like, sicking the public on DC execs who didn't even work on the film, who weren't even around at the time. What? Yeah, he is, like, calling them out by name. Like, he he went on and on. Well, they cut Barry's art, too, so, like... I mean, like, he was pretty vague, so I don't really know all that went down, but they did do an internal investigation. He just kept it in the news constantly. He's burned bridges, basically, over this. They're not gonna want them back. When this has brought them nothing but grief and a lot of mockery for the last one, This one isn't going to win people back who didn't like the last one because they're not going to see it. It is going to um, validate the people who think they can bully people into getting what they want. I'm kind of glad Snyder got the chance to realize his vision because we've been saying for years it was kind of a bum break that he had to leave for such a terrible Mm -hmm. reason and then his movie was taken away from him and his name is still on it but it's not what he wanted. And so now we saw what he wanted, and uh, I d- have so much less respect for him now than I did, which wasn't a lot. So I'm going to definitely say one out of five for this. Yeah, I mean, after everything, like, the second half was definitely better than the first half, but I still wouldn't rewatch it. I'm not going to sit through four hours of garbage for a 20 to 30 minute scene compared to everything else. It's kind of like the same way we rate the Wonder Woman movie, the Aquaman movie, and Shazam movie. It's like this particular thing out of the whole Snyderverse is great. Yeah. But as a standalone, it's not that good. So yeah, I still give it a one out of five. Hoping this is the end of it. I know people are saying hashtag restore to Snyderverse. I know people are saying, 
oh, if you don't want to make it live action, continue it as either a comic or an animated movie instead. He definitely wants to do a comic book. And based off of the whole Lois is the key thing, it's brought back up again. And I'm like, oh, they just pulled an injustice. Mm -hmm. Lois dies. Superman goes yeah. nutso. And this is what we get. And to be honest, Tom Taylor did a heck of a lot better on characterization than you did. Like, yes, it's a, a lot of people don't like Injustice, but if you look at it, written-wise, characters fit a bit more based off the situation. It's just an alternate universe. It's alternate characters. But hopefully, that's it. If he does make something else, I, I promise we are, are not jumping on it because I don't want to just sit through a whole bunch of boring negativity stuff again. Speaking of, because again, as I stated last time, this is actually a bonus episode for the week. Instead of talking about next week's comics, we are going to be talking about the comics that are coming out this week, March 24th. So V, could you please read off the DC comics that are coming out? Sure. Comics coming out March 24th are Action Comics 1029, Batman Black and White number 4, Batman Superman number 16 with a new team, Jean Luen Yang from Smashes the Clan, awesome, mm -hmm. with artists Danny Mickey and Ivan Rice. The blurb says, in the aftermath of Dark Knight's death metal, catch a glimpse of brave new worlds within the DC universe. But what are these strange planets? As we delve into the parallel lives of Man of Steel and the Dark Knight, we'll meet new villains, new heroes, alternate realities, and a trans-dimensional collision that you will need to see to believe. It's the dastardly debut of a cadre of new villains, including the Spider Lady and her poisonous webs. Oh boy. Dr. Adam, who sports a kryptonite pendant, and the maniacal machinations of the unknown wizard. Okay. Everything sounds silly when you write it out. Literally. No. <laughs> It just sounds like they're like, okay, we're going to dive into a parody Marvel universe now with Madam Web, <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Batman Superman is usually just a chaotic fun time. Yeah, and Joshua Williamson yep. did good, so I'm sad to see him off of it, but I did really like Superman Smashes the Clan. It's true. The characterization yep. was there. Mm -hmm. um, we're also going to get a black label Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number six. We're going to have a digital Challenge of the Super Sons, number nine. Um, Detective Comics, 1034, of course. Being written by Mariko Tamaki. Uh, do I have to read it? If you don't want to. I already know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Harley Quinn, number one, is coming out, though, and the writer is going to be Stephanie Phillips. She did the Future State Harley Quinn and the digital series Sensational Wonder Woman. I actually liked Future State Harley Quinn. I know a lot of people didn't. Really? Yep. I saw a lot of criticism about it, um, but it was really all over the place. It seemed to appeal more to young girls uh, than okay. to um, older fans. Mm -hmm. But I think older fans are just drinking the haterade with Harley in general. Like, they get tired of seeing her. <laughs> well, especially also after Birds of Prey. Also, the style was very anime in Future uh, State, and I think a lot of people weren't on board with it, but mm -hmm. I was really digging it. The color scheme, and I thought the characterization was pretty neat okay unfortunately the artist will be riley rosmo yeah i'm sorry stephanie phillips but i can't follow you where you're going <laughs> when you're bringing him along i like him on martian man senator i have not found anything i liked him <laughs> on since he did do the art for future state a legion of superheroes 
and that one got railed. Like I read reviews on that, almost nobody liked it. Oh wow! They were all super mean, and not just because of the Bendis writing. They were ripping the art apart. They're mm. like, I can't tell the difference Ooh. between characters. I can't tell their emotions because he has this very abstract way of yeah drawing. He's a very unique artist. And it's the problem. He's so creative. Like, I mm-hmm. want to support him, but I honestly can't figure out what he's trying to say. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this blurb is written in Harley's POV. <laughs> the description itself was written as Harley Quinn talking to the potential reader. Oh my gosh. Let me see if I can brush that off. Ahem. You better read this closely, because we've got a red-hot relaunch on our hands here. And I should know... Holly Quinn here to let you know that I got a brand new monthly series here with a brand new status quo. I'm coming back to Gotham City to make up for the sins of my past and help the city recover from the Joker War. But there's no welcoming committee waiting for me. Your favorite maid of mischief. And between you and me, some real creeps are working to keep this city broken. We can't let that happen, can we? Rising star writer Stephanie Phillips can't even write this in third person. She has to use her own characters to voice her her voiceovers. Just like an AO3 writer from 2012. (laughs) Stephanie Phillips wants me to tell ya, my new partner in crime, my good old pal Stephanie Phillips is a hot babe. Um, She never did anything wrong and all the rumors are false. Please take me back, Mr. Seymour. I don't know why that's in there. <laughs> I don't know why. I just had like a spasm. I'm sorry for ad-libbing. Anyways, Stephanie Phillips takes me into a bold new era with her partner in artistic crime, Riley Rossmo, who I gotta say designed a real nice new costume for me. You're not gonna want to miss this one, folks. <laughs> She's totally nice job. not DC's Deadpool. <laughs> Ugh, it just gives me those, those gross AO3 fanfics where they like have the character come out and talk to them and they're like, Ew, get back into your shed, locks door. Oh, yeah. Tee hee hee, winky oh, face. Oh, yeah. Stephanie Phillips, I see you. All right, Teen Titans Academy number one comes out too. Ugh. Writer Tim Sheridan. Ugh. Tim Sheridan, though. Do you remember what he wrote? No. Right, <laughs> Teen Titans Academy One by that guy <laughs> who killed all the Teen Titans in Future State. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was yep. thinking like, isn't he from the animated Teen Titans? That's fine. No, no, Future State Teen Titans and Future State Shazam. Yep. No one liked that. So great to see this guy has got the reins for a little while. Uh, we're gonna get the artist Rafa Sandoval. From the Flash, mm-hmm. it's gonna be packed with both new superpowered teens and numerous dark secrets. Numerous. <laughs> Teen Titans Academy's student body includes Shazam, a new Australian speedster, a trio of Gotham teen expatriates obsessed with Batman. I'm sorry, we can't go on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I didn't even read the description. I just copy-pasted into this. <laughs> a trio of goth M teen expatriates obsessed with Batman. I don't know. It's coming in close to Stephanie Phillips here. It's worse. 
who else, one member of this first class will become the deadly Red X. <laughs> Give those kids some Red X. They fucking love Red X. <laughs> Original new Teen Titans include Nightwing, Starfire, Raven Cyborg, and Beast Boy as they take on the role of teachers and mentors for super-powered teens. You know what? This worked great in um, Scrubs, so that's what we're going to do here. <laughs> Their goal is to shape the next generation of heroes. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah, I'm passing. I'm passing hard. They better not do my Billy Batson dirty. They're going to do him dirty. Oh, yeah. They already did him dirty. So, Muse, in light of Teen Titans Academy, what do we have going on <laughs> for Marvel? All right. So, for Marvel... Coming out this week, we have Alien Number One. Uh, the writer is Philip Kennedy Johnson. He's writing action comics and Superman. I guess he has the same contract uh, as Bendis, where he's not exclusive to DC. I guess not. There are a lot of writers that aren't. Some that will go back and forth mm -hmm. a bit. Tom Taylor, I think, is definitely one of them. So the artist is Salvador La Roca. The iconic cinematic terror makes its Marvel debut. Gabriel Cruz gave his life to Wayland Yutani in the case of an alien attack he barely survived, almost literally. Recently retired, Cruz is trying to patch things up with his abandoned son with the help of his friend, a bishop-modeled android, and his re-entry into civilian life is not going smoothly, and his encounters with the deadly xenomorph are far from over. Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador La Roca team up to tell an all-new tale of the titan of horror and science fiction that has scared our audience for decades. No one is safe, no one is innocent, and no one can hear you scream. I'm actually really interested in this. For those who may not know, like Marvel has been teasing this alien comic for a couple months now with their variants mm. in uh, several of their titles. Spider-Woman fought one of the Xenomorphs, Thor fought one of them, Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> Iron Man, Captain America, Mortal Hulk, a whole bunch of different ones. Oh, uh, I guess I, I'm i just not getting the big titles, so... And X-Men's just like, yeah, we're gonna be over <laughs> here. <laughs> Seems like both Marvel and DC are also kind of picking up some already existing IPs and making them into comics, because... Marvel also has Ultraman, and I know DC was putting out some of the Rooster Teeth stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess instead of getting things like Dark Horse or Boom to do it, it's like, let's get the big ones to put our comics out, which is kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> I guess we this might mean that we'll get some kind of alien crossover eventually with some Marvel comics. All right, so besides the alien number one, we also have the Amazing Spider-Man number 62. Black Panther 24, Cable number 9, Carnage, Black, White, and Blood number 1. Once again, just another one of those everything's black, white, and red, and it's just a bunch of stories about Carnage this time. Uh, we have Excalibur number 19, Guardians of the Galaxy number 12. I think this is the new roster team, unless it's supposed to be mm. 13. Because I know Guardians is getting the new roster, like the huge expanded roster. Wiccan and Hulkling are joining that with a bunch of other people that I was not expecting to join the Guardians, but um, we also have King in Black Scream number one. No idea what this that's is That's that um, Scream is fourth that... symbiote. The one that's oh, a woman. Oh, I don't know enough about the symbiotes. There's so many now. Yeah. I totally thought the King in Black event was over. <laughs> I thought so too, but they've been playing the long game with this one. I think it ends at the end of March, but we might have like a random King in Black issue 
like last issue or something maybe in april but we also have maestro war and packs number three miles morales spider-man number 24 savage avengers number 19 star wars dr afro number eight and taskmaster number five nice thank you muse and like i said this is a bonus episode we are going to be having a episode come out at a regular time this weekend where we are going to be joined by our friend of the show Jedi Josh from Nerd Chat Comics and Culture, where he is going to be reading us a couple stories from the golden age of comics. Very excited to have him. You can catch up on some of his stuff on Twitter at JediJoshNC. He is doing a whole bunch of streaming on his Twitch channel, JediJosh underscore NC. And like I said, you can find him on YouTube at Nerd Chat Comics and Culture, where he does a whole bunch of different retellings of comics that have already come out a couple years. He actually just has his latest video up right now of his part two for this astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine story where they do a whole bunch of time travel hopping and it's really fun. Thank you guys again for joining us this week on this episode of the Court of Valis podcast. This is the end for Snyder for us. We will not be doing any more. I promise. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Alice. And please let us know if there are any comics that you want us to cover. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.